the good news is procurement has come a long way and they've got a seat at the table because they are there to create value. So the way you create value is to speak the language of the business, right? You speak the language of the business. You understand the stakeholder goal. You figure out what are they trying to accomplish? And then you translate that into a supply strategy so that you can execute on the goals of the business. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how Ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Business Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Colliner, and I'm here today with Anna McGovern, who is the founder and managing director of Pondview Consulting. Anna, let's start. If you just tell us a little bit about your background and then how you got to your current role. Sure. It's good to be with you, Seth, and it's good to be with all your listeners. I'm Anna McGovern. I've got 35 years of supply chain and procurement experience. And I finally took the plunge two years ago to start my own consulting practice. So I do supply chain and procurement consulting and advisory. I predominantly focus on manufacturers that service the CPG industry. So essentially manufacturers in that space and their tier one, tier two suppliers as well. And, you know, I help those businesses grow and profit through their supply chain. You know, so I help people find money, bucket loads of it. Everybody likes finding money. That's yeah. Yes, it must make you very popular. (laughs) It, It does. Thank you. So let's start by talking about this idea you talked to me about, about being a customer of choice. What does that mean and, and why is that important? It's really important these days. You know, back in the old days, you know, purchasing or, or buying, it used to be, well, I'm the customer and I'm going to beat up on my suppliers. That really isn't so. And that came to the forefront in the post-pandemic, you know, phase when capacity was tight, supplies were tight, people ran through their inventory is a sin that covers a lot of bad process, essentially. So you get away with stuff by having inventory. Well, when the supplies dried out, suppliers were in control. You know, there was limited supply, so they could prioritize their most profitable customers or their customers that were easy to deal with. So what I mean by being a customer of choice, it's making sure that your supply base wants to do business with you. They want to partner with you. They want to bring you their big ideas so that you can then grow through innovation. And that's generally what I mean by that, Seth. So some of that is is sort of some cold numbers, right? But some of that's some psychology. Can you talk about the psychology of that a little bit? Not, not necessarily technically, but just this idea of, you know, being maybe even just being part of a team or however you want to think of it. Yeah, I mean... You know, every success in my 35-year career has generally involved a supplier. So whether I was on the supply chain side, operationally trying to bring products to market, or whether I was in procurement, my biggest career successes were those projects where the supplier was part of my team. They were sitting at the table with me. They could tell us, you know, we were being idiots They could tell us we were doing great. They could say, you know, not this way, that way. You're looking to design for manufacture. How about you do it this way? The engineers were with us. So they helped enable our success. They helped to decrease the time to market. 
And, you know, essentially they were sitting at the table. They had an equal seat at the table as a team member. And that's also being a customer of choice, you know, making sure that equal win to win, you know, winning formula is on both sides of the equation. Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's, you know, one of the trends that uh, keeps coming up and when I have conversations with procurement folks is it involves things like humanizing themselves, bringing their full selves to the workplace, thinking more strategically, uh, more aligned with, with larger business goals, you know, not just hitting numbers or KPI numbers on a spreadsheet. It strikes me that what you're talking about is very similar to that as well. There's just a very human part of this. Yeah. And it's about shared goals. So it is about shared business opportunities at a strategic level. So, you know, there are governance models out there that have you meeting with your suppliers at multiple levels in the organization. So you have your top to top meetings. You've got, you know, the Steerco level, which is, you know, more about how do we deliver the plan? And then you've got the operational level, which is more of the day to day local to local supplier relationships. When you start unlocking the power of partnerships and you start sharing problems or opportunities, you start talking about solving issues, you can unlock tremendous value. I'll give you a, an example. In my consumer packaging days, I had a, an EVP of the business that was in charge of a personal care business, and you had the CEO of a bottle converting company, a bottle manufacturer, basically. And at the time we were talking about how do we bring, uh, you know, PET clear bottles to personal care rather than the opaque, you know, high density polyethylene bottles. So, you know, clear colored bottles, how do we do it very quickly? And, you know, you have these, the big guys, you know, the big decision makers in the same room talking about, can you do this? Can you do that? The CEO of the supplier says, I'll build you a factory. I'll build a factory near your filling location. And really, you'll do that? Yeah, we'll do that. How quickly can you start? Well, when do we want to start? They agreed. The decision makers agreed. And within 10 months, we had a new factory built, a supplier basically invested in the business with us. They saw the opportunity. The decision was made in a one-hour session. And within 10 months, you had this enormous supply base that allowed marketing teams to come and visit the supplier and collaborate on design. They can model things in CAD right with the engineers that were designing it. It unlocked such tremendous value. Needless to say, those guys were supplier of the year a couple of years running. So, But that's the kind of opportunity you can unlock when you start bringing those partnerships at the right conversation level, right? And again, there has to be that multi-tiered governance model of top to top, you know, steering company and operational level to get things done at different levels of the organization. It's interesting hearing you talk about it too, because, you know, you're speaking to a you know, human psychological component, which is great. You're also just removing so many of the barriers and the friction points, trying to get things done when there's multiple email threads and there are too many people on those email threads there's a video chat here and a video chat there and you've got text threads and you know literally just getting people together in a room and having them look at each other and figure it out it strikes me that as a very 
quick way of doing things. It is. It removes the bureaucracy. And, you know, we have to learn to communicate very quickly, especially in the post-COVID world, right? So whether you're in a conference room sitting around a board table or whether you're sitting across from each other in a Zoom room or a Teams room or whatever platform you, you care to use, it, you know, the same is true. It's basically people talking to people and connecting on a human level. Right. So, you know, virtual doesn't have to mean things can't get done. In fact, it has been a huge enabler. You can't, you know, you can't replace commuting together and breaking bread together and getting to know each other on a social level. But that does happen, you know, with Zoom as well. But now we're back to normal. Everything is free flowing. We're meeting in person and so on. But that is the key is collaboration, right? Collaboration. And then the other thing that happens is, you can borrow from adjacent industries. So if you're a personal care manufacturer and you're trying to remove water out of your process to basically impact the environment in a positive way, well, can you borrow from pharma? Can you borrow from water treatment facilities? You know, suppliers are out there servicing multiple industries. And so you begin to borrow and learn from adjacent industries when you've got that kind of camaraderie and trust. It really is predicated on trusting your supplier partner, because if it doesn't work for both teams and, you know, there isn't that level of trust and this, you know, underlying base of we're doing this so we can both benefit and both grow, it won't work. It reminds me, too, as you're talking about just the, the logistics of that you know, how trade show events changed so dramatically right as the pandemic hit. Um, in, a, in a former role, I, I used to travel quite a bit, lots of trade shows. And of course, suddenly we weren't able to do anything in person. And the company I worked for, we, we ran some of our own events as well. And those just, you know, they were over in a heartbeat. And so we had to pivot to everything virtual. And we did a, actually a really good job of it. And, you know, having things done virtually, having events be virtual, also open things up a bit, democratize things a bit so other people could join who maybe didn't have the travel funds or, or whatever the case may be. But there was certainly something lost without that in-person component, just being able to talk to people in a room. You know, and you're right, we, we get some of that virtually. But you know, I remember we, we were trying to come up with ways to recreate being in the room you know, after the session is over or after the booth meeting. Like, how do you recreate that virtually? And we never really figured it out. I mean, we, you know, we did. We had like breakout rooms and you know, people could connect, but it, it was never quite the same. So it, it strikes me as you're talking about that, that I understand that very well from the, the trade show perspective and just not being able to to connect with people in a way that, that I was accustomed to and realizing, you know, how much we lost from that. So I'm certainly glad that we are back to be able to talk in person as much as possible. You have another anecdote, another story that illustrates some of the sort of in-person problem solving that I, I really like. You told it to me earlier in an earlier conversation. But I wonder if you could share this one as well. It's about the leaking spigots. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. Yeah, that's one of my very favorite stories to tell, in fact. So a while ago, I was working in the laundry category 
And, you know, the big laundry jugs that you get in the supermarket or in a club store, the dispensing mechanism was leaking. And, you know, doing all kinds of testing, company was sourcing the spigot from two separate suppliers. Again, this is for supply security. And a component like that is very complex. So you've got the singular components, you've got the assembly of these, you know, you've got the actual dispenser, you've got the little button that you push down, you've got the cup that you dispense the laundry detergent in. So there was a leak and we didn't know why it was leaking. Package development engineers were trying to solve the problem. We couldn't solve it. Talk to the suppliers. This one is pointing the finger at that one. It must be this. It must be that. So we booked a conference room, you know, at a local Marriott. And we brought everybody in and I'm talking competing suppliers, the assembly su machine supplier, the engineers were all together and everybody is sitting with their arms folded. I mean, they were not happy with me. I was putting competing suppliers in the same room together. And how many different companies are represented in the room at, the, at this moment? Let's see. So there was one, two, three, there were four total of four suppliers, two were the actual suppliers that sold the assembled part and they were competing. So one had the majority of the business. So one was the primary supplier, the other was the challenger. And I was warned, you know, by the commercial managers that their engineers were not happy. And I knew this going in. And honestly, I did not seek permission to do this. I figured it was better to seek forgiveness later in case this was, I mean, it was clearly unorthodox. So we're sitting there and I got up in front of them. I explained the problem. And the reality of the problem is that this was the number one customer was Walmart. And Walmart was saying, we will deal list this package if you don't fix the leaking problem. We will delist you and we'll go to a competitor. I mean, they don't care. This was causing them significant problems in their supply chain. And we were in a position where we're going to lose significant amounts of money. So I basically said, look, if we don't solve this issue, this is the consequence. If we don't solve this issue together, we will all lose. We are not here to solve or share commercial or pricing information, we are here to solve a technical issue. So I suggest we put aside any differences we may have and we try and fix this issue. Otherwise, we're all losers in the matter. And as soon as I said that, you can see, you're talking about psychology a little bit ago, you can see the body language where these guys started to relax a little bit. You know, arms were unfolded, shoulders started to relax a little bit, and suddenly they were ready to go, right? So then I turned, that was the only thing I've said, because I'm not an engineer. I'm not there to solve the technical issue. My value was bringing people together and bringing the right people together to solve an issue. Turned it over to the technical director within my company on the packaging side. He stood up and said, all right, here's what we need to do. They start talking mumbo jumbo. Next thing you know, Blueprints are being rolled out on the table. All these competitor engineers are pouring over the table, shoulder to shoulder, looking over everything. Within two months, the, the issue was solved. 
right? So everybody started to contribute. We did the testing. I mean, the reason it took that long is because there was, you know, a latent period where you had to wait and make sure stuff didn't leak. You put stuff on test so you can accelerate. But that was one of my very favorite stories. We solved it. We saved the business. And quite frankly, those guys started to, you know, become friends in a way. You know, they would see each other at trade shows. They would have drinks together at the bar. So it created the sense of accomplishment. But at the end of the day, we were all winners in that particular collaboration. So there is a multi-tiered, multi-layer type partnership in this particular case where you weren't necessarily growing a business, but you were making sure you certainly didn't lose anything and maintain that good relationship with a big customer like Walmart. Yeah, well, so. not losing a customer is a uh, part of growing a business, right? Exactly. <laughs> From just like a managerial perspective, I really like the, the couple of those lessons in there. You know, one is just simply framing the problem, right? I was, I'm just saying like, this is all of our problem. We have a common thing and we all stand to lose. We all stand to win and in getting people aligned that way. And I think that's the, the second thing is, you know, framing it and then realizing, yeah, that we're in this case, we're all on the same team. And it's interesting too, because like, of course, like packaging engineers, it's like they have a lot in common, right? They're competitors. They're doing the same job. Their brains work the same way. They're working on the same types of problems all the time. And, you know, I imagine it was very fruitful to get them all talking about the same thing at the same time. Exactly. And, you know, that power of team that, you know, multi-brain, because definitely the sum of the parts was much greater than individual thinking in that case. So we were using think tank, you know, to try and solve an issue. Yeah. Well, and so kind of further on that topic of kind of partnering and, and making people feel like they're on the team, you know, there's this perception often in procurement uh, where procurement teams are often seen as sort of bureaucratic blockers. Yeah. So just kind of further down that line a little, a little bit, how do you partner with those internal stakeholders better to remove that perception? Right. Unfortunately, there are still a lot of old school procurement thinkers. You know, those who are the dinosaurs in the industry and they give the industry a bad name. The good news is procurement has come a long way and they've got a seat at the table because they are there to create value. So the way you create value is to speak the language of the business, right? You speak the language of the business. You understand the stakeholder goal. So you, you figure out what are they trying to accomplish? And then you translate that into a supply strategy. You convey that business strategy over to your supplier so that you can execute on the goals of the business. So how do you create that team? You don't talk about procurement. You talk about business drivers, business value. You talk about EBITDA. You talk about, you know, revenue growth. And this is my role you know, to do it. So if you're part of a baseball team or if you're part of a football team, nobody is talking about I'm the quarterback or I'm the linebacker or I'm the shortstop or the outfielder. We're all there to win the game or the tournament or, you know, the Super Bowl or the World Series. Nobody is talking about what I do versus what you do, but we all know our role. And we all know what we have to do, but we've got one singular goal. And that is how procurement can start to add value. These days, you know, the procurement skill set is multifaceted because as a procurement professional, you have to be a finance manager. 
You've got to be a, a legal, regulatory, and compliance manager. You need to be a coach, a mentor, a cheerleader. You need to prop up your suppliers. You need to prep them. You need to be a technical guru and understand the technical specifications that you're buying against. So the skill set has changed. And depending on what you're buying, if you're buying indirect you know, materials and services, if you're buying travel or if you're buying IT, you're not the budget holder, especially if you're dealing with marketing, with advertising agencies and that sort of thing. When you're not the budget holder and yet you're trying to influence stakeholders to see things your way, those strategic influencing skills become extremely important and showing your stakeholders the why and the benefit of working with a particular direction or with a particular supplier. That's a great answer. Yeah. So speaking of great answers, what's the best advice you've received in your career? You know, it's interesting. I've been very lucky to have worked for some pretty terrific bosses and I've had some great coaches and mentors along the way. And many of them have given me great advice. But if I can synthesize it, it's always been about be a lifelong learner, right? And make sure that you're always upskilling and raising the bar for yourself, right? So, you know, nowadays, I remember one boss said to me, this was years and years ago, we were looking at cell phones and I'm really dating myself here, but it was a choice. Do I go with a digital flip phone or do I go with an analog phone? And I'm just like, well, I didn't know. And I wanted to go with what I wanted to, what I was familiar with. And he just looked at me and he said, Anna, go digital. Trust me. You'll thank me later. And really, that's one of the best pieces of advice, because ever since I'm always looking for that next big gadget, right? So in procurement or in supply chain, you've got to be able to embrace technology and you've got to be able to embrace the new mousetrap. Otherwise, you will become obsolete. So that's the best advice I've ever gotten. And that's the advice I would pass on. Excellent. And as we close, is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself or your company? And if people want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Well, contact us. We solve supply chain problems and procurement problems. So Conview Consulting, the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn through my website. Book a discovery call. Happy to talk to you. It's PondViewConsulting.com. Wonderful. Anna McGovern, founder and managing director of Pondview Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much, Seth. It's my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkeen community at tonkeen.com slash community. 